Good to see you this morning. It's great to be here. Okay, let me ask you a question. I want to get this out of the way. How many of you were up late last night watching the Phillies? Okay, you okay? Everybody okay? I mean, look, it was a great season, right? It was a great season. So we celebrate that. We embrace that, right? It only, it only speaks of, uh, of, of, of better things yet to come. So, but, but that's all right. So, and you still, right, we still got the Eagles, right? Eagles are doing well. Eagles are, you know, good stuff, good stuff. So, good. Hey, we started our teaching series last week um, about four words to get you unstuck. You feel stuck in life. Why am I where I'm at? Why can't I move ahead? Four words. Last week, we talked about repentance, right? The ability that God gives us to change our course in life to make a course correction. This morning, our word is perseverance, right? Not quitting, not giving up, but persevering through whatever it is that we're going through. And so let me give you a, a definition of perseverance for our purposes this morning. So here's the definition. Perseverance is the ability to go through the processes that God has laid out for us. So I want you just to, just to soak in that for a second. Perseverance is that we have the ability to go through the processes that God has laid out for us. And we're going to talk about that this morning. So let's say a word of prayer. Jesus, how good it is to be in your presence, how good it is to worship, how good it is to, to just see each other. And, and Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit speaks to our heart about this, uh, about this topic of, uh, of not giving up about this topic of being faithful through trials and hardships and, and just, just, just help us and strengthen us and, and give us insight. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you. We pray this in your name, amen. So you know, uh, every weekend, every attached to Sunday morning, Dora and I, my wife, we have this, this process we go through. Now, now this morning, it took place this morning before I left the house. Now. That's because I'm supposed to begin the process Saturday night, but rarely do I ever do my part, you know? So, like, so I never begin it on Saturday night most of the time, and, and so it ends up being Sunday morning. But here's the process. Like, I ultimately, uh, you know, on Sunday morning, I go into my closet, I pick out an outfit I'm gonna wear, I put it on. I did it this morning. I picked out this outfit, I put it on. I went to leave, and Dora stops me. She says, wait, and I say, yes. And she says, is, is that outfit appropriate? And then I look at it and I go, well, now I realize one thing, right? It's a rhetorical question, right? Because if it was okay in its form and shape, she wouldn't have stopped me. So I know the answer is no, but I don't know why. So I stop and I look and I say, um, obviously it's not. And she goes, I go, do you think it is? And she goes, well, what do you think? <laughs> well, I'm in a really tough spot now. We do this regularly. And she says, stand in front of the mirror and look at it and tell me if you think it's okay. And of course, you know, she's trying to develop me, right? She's been doing it for 35 years, folks. <laughs> 35 years we're doing this on Sunday morning and I haven't learned yet. But I stand in front of the mirror and she goes, is it appropriate? And I'm like, no, it's not. It's horrible. And I don't know why yet. 
But she says, look at this. It's all wrinkled right here. Take your shirt off. I take my shirt off. She takes it into the, into the ironing board and she irons it so that all the wrinkles are ironed out. Process we go through like almost every, almost every Sunday morning. Sometimes I get lucky and I find an unwrinkled shirt. Sometimes I wear things that are too small for me or too big for me or just plain ugly. I'm learning. I'm growing, right? So one of these days I'm going to get it all figured out. But, but ultimately, every single one of us have wrinkles in our lives, right? We have wrinkles that, that God wants to like iron out of our lives. Ephesians 5.27, the apostle Paul says this, and to present her, talking about the church, talking about Jesus in the church, Jesus has a desire to present the church to himself as radiant, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So like Jesus wants to present you. Jesus wants to present us collectively as without stain or without wrinkle. Well, I figure when it comes to like our spiritual wrinkles in life, right? And, and probably even our clothing wrinkles in life. I think there's three basic types of people, right? Uh, when it comes to wrinkles. Like the first type of person is the person that they don't see the wrinkles at all. Like they just don't see wrinkles. They don't notice wrinkles in their clothes. They don't notice what's wrinkled. So it never bothers them. I mean, they could reach deep down into the hamper, pull out a shirt, smell its pits, and throw that shirt right on and walk out of the house in delight, right? Because, I mean, they don't even see the wrinkles. And, and they, right, they need somebody in their life, right? They need a Dora who's going to help them get better. They need somebody in their life to say, hey, 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 wait a second, you're all wrinkled up. But there's those of us who we don't see wrinkles at all. Then there's some of us who, who we don't care if there's wrinkles. Like we see the wrinkles and, and we just don't care about them. It doesn't bother us. I mean, I mean, we could be a hot mess and we're like, doesn't make any difference. Man, if they want me around, they're going to accept me as I am, period. They're going to take me wrinkles and all. Okay, right? Maybe there's some development, right, that needs to be, that needs to happen in, in that perspective. But nevertheless, then there are those of us, especially when it comes to spiritual wrinkles in our life, there are those of us who see the wrinkles, we notice the wrinkles. We don't like the wrinkles, but we don't quite know what to do with them. Like we don't know how to get them out. We, we, we don't want to have wrinkles in our life, especially when it comes to God or when it comes to our spiritual journey, but we're wrinkled and we have wrinkles and we don't, we don't know how to get them out. I think all of us, especially spiritually, fall somewhere on that spectrum when it comes to the spiritual wrinkles in our lives. And, and I get it, I get it, we say, hey, I understand you've told us a thousand times, if not more, that God accepts us just the way we are. You know, that's true, right? God accepts us wrinkles and all. Come as you are, right? He's glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. It doesn't matter the wrinkles in your life, right? It doesn't matter if you got holes, if you've got whatever. It doesn't matter, We're, right? Come as you are. And, and we all love the instantaneous benefits that, that come in life in relationship with God. Like, like one of those instantaneous benefits is if we confess he's faithful and just and he forgives us if we confess our wrinkles or our, our sin, right? There's like immediate and instantaneous forgiveness. 
right? The stain in our lives. Man, he just, he forgives us of that and, and how wonderful that is. And we all love that. I, I love that truth. But wrinkles often take time to get out. Like, like forgiveness is immediate, but, but, the, but the discipleship process, right? The, the maturity and the Christ-likeness, the, the, the wrinkles, they often take time. So, so God has created a process to help us get the wrinkles out of our lives. And it's stated in several different places and, and, and by several different biblical authors, but we're gonna look at James this morning. And in James chapter one, see if you can hear the process in this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That's our word today, right? Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So, so you see the process in this, right? The process is pretty evident, right? There's trials that come our way. And these trials test our faith. And, and, and those, those, that, that faith testing uh, can produce perseverance in us. And perseverance ultimately helps us become mature. So there's a process that, that James, the brother of Jesus, writes out that, that in our journey with, with the Lord, there's this process to, to, to bring us to maturity in him, to get, to get our wrinkles out. You know, there's a process in almost everything you do in life. Like if you're educated at any level today, if you're educated at any level, if your level of education is middle school or high school, there's a process attached to your education. You go to class, you hear lectures, you take notes, you get a textbook, you read the textbook, there are tests that come, you take the test, and the test measures your knowledge. Like, like, like how much do you know? How much do you not know? How much yet do you need to learn? Right? There's, there's a measurement there, but there's a process attached to your education. You're going to leave here. Some of you are going to go to a restaurant. There's a process in the restaurant. Right? I mean, you're going to walk in, and the host or the hostess is going to, going to seat you and give you menus. The waiter or the waitress is going to come by and, and they're, going to, they're going to fill your drink orders first while you look at the menu. They're going to bring your drinks. Then they're going to take your order. I mean, these are all things they're taught, this process of how to take care of you when you're there. Right? They're going to bring you your meals. You're going to eat your meal. After your meal's done, if you need a container to take some home, I rarely need that. But if you do, right, they bring you a container and, and then they bring by the dessert menu and they say, hey, would you like a dessert? And right, there's a whole process attached to, to, to even your visit to the restaurant. Well, there's a process attached to, to getting the wrinkles out of our lives. Like this morning, right? When my shirt was all wrinkly, Dora got the iron out. And she got the iron out. Now, the iron produces three things, right? The iron produces heat. It produces steam if needed. And it produces weight. And as that iron is taken back and forth over the wrinkles on your shirt or your pants, in some sort of amazing way, the wrinkles start to disappear. Often it doesn't happen the first time it comes by. It may take two or three or four or five. Or in my case, it seems like I have to like, I don't know why it is. I'm not very good at, I don't know why the iron's different with me than it is with other people. But man, I could scrub that shirt with an iron. I still have wrinkles all that. But anyhow, right? But, but ultimately it may take more than one one turn with the iron. Well, this process of testing, getting the wrinkles out of us, testing our faith, it often comes in the form of trials 
in life, right? The heat, the steam, the weight over and over again, pressing the wrinkles out. So, so God, has a, God has a process that he's using to develop you. And you can, you can read the scriptures and you can read about the characters in the scriptures and you can see God's process at work in their lives over and over and over again. It's different for each person, but you can see God's process ironing the wrinkles out, preparing them for what it is he wants to produce in their lives, right? Man, Joseph in Genesis went through 13 years of, uh, of, of entrapment and slavery before he became the second in command of all Egypt. Moses had to, had to spend his time in the desert Esther's whole race was in danger of being wiped out. Three Hebrew boys had a fiery furnace. Daniel had a lion's den. David had a giant. Even Jesus had 40 days in the wilderness. The apostle Paul had nine years when he was set aside and, and not endorsed to go out and preach the gospel. I mean, there's a process God wants to use in your life. Now, now this is what I think. I think of all of these people in the scriptures, including Jesus, had a process, what makes me or you think that we're going to get anywhere without a process or a trial in life? Like we're gonna have them. We're gonna have process. We're gonna have a, a trial. Our, our faith is gonna be tested along the way. And, and one of the things we ought to do whenever testing comes or a trial comes in our life is we should sort out like, what's the, origin of this trial, right? Where, where is this trial coming from? What's, what's taking place in this trial? Because, because one of the things I don't want to say this morning is that every trial that you face in life originates by God for your development. I don't want to proclaim that and say, hey, every hardship you've ever had in life, man, it has come right from the hand of God upon your life. I don't, I don't want to say that. I, I don't believe that, right? I, I believe that we, that we live in a, in a broken world, we live in a sinful world and, and sometimes it's somebody else's sin that creates a hardship for me or, or it's just the brokenness or the fallenness of the world we live in that creates hardships for me or, 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 or sometimes it's my own. But, but I don't want to say that all the hardships or difficult times I come in in life or testing times is, is simply from the hand of God. But, but I do think there are four lenses that maybe can help us, right? Four thoughts that might be able to help us think about where these trials or hardships come from. Like one of the things is to know the difference, we've talked about this before, knowing the difference between a test and a temptation, right? So like a test is for our development, right? We're being tested to, so that we may grow and we can expand, our capacity could increase. A temptation is for our destruction. So like if you're going through things and if you say, man, if I do this, it will destroy my life, it's not from God. Right, the scripture says God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt. So God does not tempt you. So that's the first thing, right? You can look at it and say, hey, if there's a temptation I'm dealing with, right, a sin, and, and, and the end of that will be destruction, then that's not, that's not coming from God in your life. Now, now the second thing is, 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 right, is knowing the difference between a temptation and a test. The second thing is knowing if it's the enemy that's attacking. Right? Luke 22, verse 31, at the Last Supper, Jesus says to Peter, he says this, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. Now, all right, obviously we're in, we're in a spiritual warfare. We, we have an enemy. And to, and to be aware of that and knowledgeable of that is, a, is helpful. Now, I do want to say that it kind of gets dangerous at this point because I think we tend to give the devil way more credit than he deserves in our life, you know, 
So, so we have to be careful with, with, with interpreting that whatever hardships we go from, it's an attack of the devil himself. But, but I mean, but that is a possibility that, that, that ought to be in our radar to, to, to consider. Uh, a third thing is that uh, maybe my hardship is, be, is happening because I actually did something that wasn't wise. Like I made a bad choice or I was negligent or, or, or I was selfish or whatever it was, right? But, but I did something that, that, that caused this trial or hardship in my life. It's like, hey, I'm broken down on the side of the road and I raise my fist and say, God, why do I have this trial? You knew how important this appointment was. And now I'm broken down inside of the road and AAA comes and they're like, you don't even have any oil in your engine. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I've been meaning to get around to that. I've been totally negligent in the maintenance of my car. All right, God didn't do that to you. You just didn't take care of your car, right? And, and, and so, right, just being, just, just thinking about ourselves. Am I being wise or am I being unwise in my, in my journey in, in life? You know, and, 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 and am I generating these hardships or? And then the fourth thing, God may be testing you to bring something out of you. I mean, your hardship and trials in life, there is a reality that the scripture says that you may be being tested. The trial may be coming because God wants to develop you in some way for something that he has for you in your future. Now, now I would admit this, and you'd agree with me, I don't know that I've ever had a trial that I've enjoyed. I mean, I don't even enjoy like, like things that are uncomfortable, right? I go to my dentist and I say to my dentist, no matter what's happening, no pain, no pain. I don't care how much Novocaine it takes, I don't care if I, if, 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 if I won't be able to fill my face for the next three weeks, I want no pain in this moment, right? None of us necessarily enjoy the trials that we're going through. Thank you, gentlemen. What wonderful assistance. But, but like, for instance, in illustrating this, how many of you like cake? Do you like cake? I like cake, right? I even have a very specific way that I eat my cake, right? I love layered cake because, like, with layered cake, it really, it really leans into the way I like to eat my cake. And how I like to eat my cake is I like to eat the cake out between the layers of icing first and then eat the icing all at one time. So good. Yeah. I just, I am an icing guy. I'm an icing guy. So I'm also a marshmallow guy when it comes to cereal, right? And I eat my cereal, my marshmallow cereal, a very specific way. Like, you know, Halloween just passed, right? And Halloween passed. And, and so because Halloween was here, they had three of my favorite cereals on the market. Right? And I bought a box of each one. Count Chocula, Frankenberry, and Booberry. I bought a box of each one. And I have to admit, right, man, I opened up that box of Count Chocula and I ate the whole box in one setting. <laughs> I did. But you know, it only comes around once a year, right? I mean, it's not like I'm doing it every week. But I ate that whole, but I eat that very specifically. What I do is, you know, I pour the, pour the cereal in the bowl and then I eat all the cereal out and leave the marshmallows in the bowl. That's not easy, right? Because marshmallows get sticky when they're wet. And like you're pulling your, and there's marshmallows in the bottom of your spoon and sometimes you have to flick them off or, or they get caught in between the cereal and you have to like, you have to pull it out of it and drop it back in the milk and you're always maneuvering your spoon around and you eat all the cereal to just all the marshmallows are in the bowl by itself. And then you eat all the marshmallows at once. That's good stuff. But, but, but like, here's, here's the cake illustration, right? Here's the cake. Now, follow me on this. Each ingredient that is put in a cake is not necessarily good by itself, right? 
I mean, some of the ingredients that we put in cake aren't very good at all by itself. Like, for instance, flour, right? We put flour in a cake, and, and, and I don't know how many times, right? And how many times have you done this? You get home from work, right? And it's not quite supper time yet, and you're like, man, I am craving a nice, good bite of flour. So you get the flour out, and you're just like, yeah. Um. <clears throat> I mean, it's just delicious. So, I mean, so, or, or this. You know what? <coughs> you know what I'm missing? Salt. I don't have enough salt in my diet. So you put a little salt in here, you know, and you're like, yeah, man, salt. I love salt. It's just like, whoo, wow. That's, man, my mouth is dry. And you're like, you know what? This flour and salt was so good. Some vegetable oil. I mean, right there, veggies. Man, I'm going to wash this down with veggies. This can only be good for you, right? So you pop open the vegetable oil, you just... <coughs> and, you, and you take a big... <coughs> you take a big swig of vegetable oil and think, yeah. Or, or this, some imitation or pure vanilla... Oh, this is pure vanilla extract. And who doesn't like vanilla, right? I mean, I get it in my Starbucks coffee all the time. Vanilla. I'll take some vanilla. So you get out the, you know, I actually asked for real vanilla, pure, real vanilla, not the extract. But the staff wouldn't get it for me because they were afraid I'd fall off the stage. But anyhow, we all, right, we love, right? So we're like, hmm. Oh, man. Woo. But, and then you're like, egg, right? I need some Rocky theme music. I'm not, you know what? Right now I have all this flour caked to the back of my teeth. So, but I mean, right, you, you can look at life and say, all the ingredients of life I may not like, but somehow God has this ability to take all these different ingredients, right? And he, and he mixes them all together. And then he applies the right amount of heat for the mite amount of time. And if we persevere, if we persevere, something beautiful happens. Right? I mean, man, it just changes our life. And, and I know I've been at buffets where people have knocked me over to get to all of these ingredients mixed together, heated up. Right? And how good it is. So, yeah, totally different experience. It's really good. I can feel that oil moving through my system right now. <laughs> TMI, too much information. Forgive me for that. As you can tell, I haven't worked out all the details of these illustrations. We're kind of winging it. But, but you're following me, right? I mean, there's times in life when you go through a trial or you go through a testing, and it may not be pleasant. That specific ingredient, you may look at and say, I don't want this ingredient in my life. But, but it's necessary for us to be tested, for us to grow, for us to mature. And, and I, I, I just want to say this. Don't take my word for it. Listen to somebody in the scripture who says the very same thing. 
Somebody who's been beaten, somebody who's been stoned, somebody who's been whipped, somebody who's been imprisoned, somebody who's been shipwrecked multiple times. Listen to his words about his journey. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God works for good according to his purposes in our lives. God has a purpose for you. God has you on a journey. God is developing you and he's taking you someplace because ultimately he has a, he has a task. He has, he has something wonderful that he wants to do through you. And whether that be in your family unit or in your neighborhood or in your workplace or through your career or, or, or whatever it is, he is developing you for his purposes. And, and we're to learn and we're to grow. We're to see it. We're to, we're to somehow accept it. We're to persevere in the midst of it. You know, even when, even when Jesus told Peter that Satan wanted to sift him, you know, at the Last Supper in Luke chapter 22, this is what Jesus said to Peter after he said, Satan has asked to sift you his weight. He says, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Think about that image. The intercessor right now sits at the right hand of the Father. And in your trials and in your testing, he is praying for you. He's interceding to God the Father on your behalf that faith will well up in you, that you will persevere, that you will go on that you won't give up, that you won't quit. So, so four, four quick thoughts on how we persevere during times of testing and trials. So the first thing we ought to do is we ought to prepare for the test and the trial to come. Because if it hasn't shown up yet, it's gonna show up sooner or later. If you haven't had any hardships in life yet, hardships are gonna show up sooner or later. So we wanna prepare for the test to come. And one of the major ways we prepare for the test to come is what we're doing right now. We engage the church. Man, there are so many good things and so many good purposes of why God has displayed his grace in the church towards you. One of them is it, is it begins to prepare us mentally and emotionally. Right, right, right. When hardship comes, you know one of the things we're going to have to be able to do? We're going to have to be able to be vulnerable. So one of the things we do in community together is we practice vulnerability. We practice asking for good advice and receiving good advice. Man, we practice receiving like, like functional help in, in, in our times of need in the body of Christ. We practice dropping our pride together, right? Learning humility. We practice all of these things together. And you notice in, in Ephesians chapter five, where God says he wants to present the church without stain or wrinkle, that he says it's the church. You as a part of the church and the church collectively together. So there's this idea in the scripture that's, that says you're not alone. You're, you're not put on this, on this planet to just function by yourself as an individual. You're put here so you can be connected to each other. 
That, that, that God is working in you and he's working in us together. That each one of us is being tested. Each one of us are going through trials. Some of us have already gone through the trials that you're facing right now, right? And now all of a sudden, because you're connected in the church, you know who to talk to about that. You know where to find resources. You know where to find help to how you overcome and how you persevere in the midst of whatever's going on. You're not alone and we draw our help from each other. Paul wrote this in Galatians to the church in Galatia. He said, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Do, do, do you hear what Paul's saying? Paul's saying this is so important to Jesus that he made it law, that you are gonna carry each other's burdens. That's my law. Now he says a few verses later, everyone should carry their own load, right? And that's your, your daily routine, your, your normal habits, your normal functioning. But there's time in life where testing and trial and hardships come. And in those times, man, we lock our arms together and we, we lift each other up. We help make it through life together. I mean, right, we, we prepare ourselves for the trials that are to come by engaging in life together. And then, and then we learn to glory in the results of what God is doing. You know, Romans 5, it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of times we, 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 we don't quite hear what's being said what Paul's saying, but, but listen to these words. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, right? Same process James is talking about, right? We persevere, that's our word for today. But, but, but let me ask you this. Do you glory in your sufferings? I'm gonna answer that for you. No, you don't. Like nobody walks into church on Sunday morning and somebody says, how was your week? And you go, man, it was the worst week in my life. It was miserable. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong and everything else was worse than that. High five here, bring it in. We don't respond that way, do we? Man, when we have hard times and sufferings, we complain and we gripe and we, and really Paul isn't telling you to like rejoice in the fact that you have sufferings, right? Because he tells you why you rejoice. It's because of perseverance and it's because of the work that that does to build character and character hope. So what Paul is asking us to do is in the midst of our sufferings to somehow look beyond the suffering and take glory in what God is producing and doing in us. We're learning, we're growing, we're being developed, right? God is doing so many things in us, but there's so many times that when the test comes, there's so many times that when the trial takes place, we want to quit, right? Man, we're having some hardships, so we want, to, we want to quit this relationship. We're having some hardships, so we want to quit our job. We have some hardships, so we want to quit our marriage. We have some hardships, so we want to quit our church. And the problem is, is that the wrinkles go with us wherever we go, whether it be into our next relationship or whatever it is, right? The wrinkles are still going with us because they haven't been ironed out yet. But you know, there's a wonderful, graceful act by, by almost every school I know. And that is, if you fail the test and you fail the grade, in a beautiful act of grace, they allow you to do it again. And again. And again. Until you pass. You know, that's a wonderful way that God shows his grace to us is he allows us to go through that test again and again and again 
until we persevere and build character and hope and maturity in his process for us. You know, another thing along this way in dealing with uh, how we persevere in the midst of hardships is we learn to trust the Savior. We just learn to trust Jesus. You know, people have said this, and you've heard this before, right? People say, God will not give you more than you can bear. Do you think that's true? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think it's true. In fact, at this point in my life, I think I wake up most days with more than I can bear. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to make, bring everybody down. I'm not trying to depress you. I just don't think it's true that, that God doesn't give us more than we can bear. I think we get it from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, where it says this, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When it's dealing with temptation, remember what temptation is? Temptation is about our destruction. So, so, I, so I think that's true, right? I think that God protects us at, at a realm to say, hey, you can bear the temptation that's coming your way. He won't let, he won't let you be overwhelmed by the temptation. But when it comes to like, like life itself, that's not a, that's not a tempting. I, in fact, I, I think part of the process, right, in this, this whole testing or trial or hardship or growth is that, is that it has to be beyond what we can bear or we don't learn the lessons God's trying to teach us. You think, I, I think God's trying to teach us some lessons. Like one thing is, is to take all of our cares and cast them on him. But if all the trials and, and hardships I face in life, I can easily, easily manage, then why would I ever cast them on him, right? My pride's gonna kick in. I'm gonna go the wrong direction if I can handle everything that's given to me in life. And I think God's trying to teach us, hey, embrace your Christian brothers and sisters, right? Embrace the church. There's other people that have wise advice or they have resources to help you. They've been through this. You need not travel it alone. And he wants us to know this, right? He wants us to embrace each other and, and travel through life together and, and not be in isolation. But unless it's more than I can bear, I'll never do that, right? I'll always just carry it myself and never bother anybody else. So, so I do think, I do think that, that many times in life, more than we can bear comes our way to help teach us, to move us into who God wants us to be and how he wants us to function. Well, well here's the fourth thing I think that helps us in the, midst of, in, in the midst of hardships to persevere, is we need to look ahead to see how we can help others. We need to look ahead and say, how can I help others? So again, right back to, back to Peter at the Last Supper when Jesus is saying that, 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 he, that Satan has asked to sift him. Listen to this whole comment by Jesus in, in full. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all, to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Now listen to this last phrase. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Simon, there's going to be things that happen tonight. There's going to be decisions you make that you're not going to want to make, but you're going to make them. You're going to have a hard time. You're going to feel ashamed, Simon. Man, there's, you're going to feel guilty. You're going to feel like you've let everybody down. You're going to want to disappear. You're going to want to hang your head. Don't do that. Don't do it. 
persevere, and at the end of it, return and strengthen your brothers. I mean, we all have to be looking ahead at how God wants us to give back, who he's forming us to be, how he's teaching us and instructing us. But one of the ways we get stuck in life is we quit. We don't persevere. We become angry because of the test or the trial or the hardship, right? We, we cry, woe is me, instead of just keep moving ahead. So like we, we shouldn't give up. We don't give up. We, we shouldn't walk away. We, we, we shouldn't abandon. We shouldn't allow our emotions to dominate us. We should persevere and recognize what God is doing in us. But some of us, right, we're even stuck this morning. We are stuck in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of our trials. And we need to start applying some of these truths about how we persevere in life. I, I think about this story. I think about Jonah. You know Jonah, right? The prophet Jonah. And, and God had a purpose for Jonah. He wanted Jonah to, to, to go to Nineveh. And he wanted him to preach the gospel in Nineveh because Nineveh was a wayward people, right? And so he wanted Nineveh to, 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 to turn and Jonah refused to do it. Jonah's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Now, now, Jonah probably had good reasons, right? He had animosity towards the Ninevites because they weren't kind people. They were mean people. They were hostile people. They were cruel people. And, and he had seen and tasted their cruelty even against himself and his people. Maybe there was an unwillingness. I don't want to leave home. Hey, I'm, I, no, I'm not leaving home. I'm not going to do anything different than I've done before. Maybe he had a different career path in mind. Here's my career path. Here's my dreams. This is where I'm going. And God is trying to tell him, nope, this is where you're going to go. And you remember what happened, right? Jonah took off, right? Trying to escape his, 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 what God wanted to do in him. And then God put Jonah exactly where Jonah needed to be. At the bottom of an ocean in the belly of a whale. And God did not intend for Jonah to be there forever. God just wanted to move Jonah to the place where Jonah said, yes, Lord, I will. And the moment he said he would, man, God did a great thing in saving the nation of Nineveh through Jonah's, if it even be a momentary obedience, a momentary obedience in Jonah. So this morning, man, let me encourage you whatever trial you're going through, whatever test you're facing, whatever hardship you're up against, man, even wherever the origin is, right? Wherever the origin is, know that God is going to do something in it. He's developing you. He's going to do something in you. He is preparing you for something in your future. Know that. But you know, the first Sunday, we always participate together in communion. And I don't know if you're familiar with this language or not, but oftentimes the church, when it talks about communion, talks about the communion table as it's our table. It's like it's our dining room table. Like, like even communion, right? Even, even, the, even, even the first time communion was taken, it was taken around a dinner table, a place where you gain physical sustenance. And even what happened at that Last Supper with Jesus and his disciples, they gained a spiritual sustenance in their time together. So, I mean, we gather together in unity, 
right? And we proclaim these emblems of God's incredible grace and we do it together. So, so today, man, whatever your hardship is, whatever your trial is, whatever, whatever's, whatever's taken place in your life, can you take a moment and view that through the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus? That Jesus has not abandoned you. That he loves you desperately. That he's developing you. That he's growing you into what he's calling you into. Embrace that. This is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was broken for you. May it preserve you blameless until he comes again. Eat this in remembrance that the body of Christ was broken for you. And be glad. This is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you. May it preserve you blameless until he comes again. Eat this in remembrance that the body, the blood of Jesus was shed for you. And be glad. Jesus, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. All of your love that is even displayed to us in the midst of hardships and trials and tests. So Jesus, I pray this morning for every single one of us that we would look at life different, that we would put on a different lens, and that no matter what's happening, no matter what's going on, that we would see your hand moving in our lives, that we could see beyond just the moment to the long term, to how you want us ultimately to strengthen others in the journey. So Jesus, help us. Help us to look to you and join our arms together and walk in this life together. I praise you, Jesus, and I thank you. And this morning, Jesus, find us obedient to what you command us to do. So even when it comes to like the resources in life, how you provide us so much. And then Lord, by your word, you tell us to tithe and you tell us to, 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 to return back to you a portion of what you give to us. And find us, find us faithful in that. Find us obedient. Find us allowing you to do what you want to do in us, even through the resources that you give us. Oh Lord, we praise you. We thank you. We love you, Jesus. Receive what it is we bring today in obedience to you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for watching this video. I hope that you enjoyed it and that you got a lot out of it. If you feel like you need to respond, you can visit fairviewvillagechurch.com prayer and you can fill out the forms there and let us know how we can be praying for you. Or you can scan the QR code below and that'll take you everywhere you need to go for next steps. Thanks so much for joining. We hope you have a great week and looking forward to connecting with you.